Gotta love that. I love Autumn's face at the end. The guys yell and they drive up, drive off. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you. Uh, really blessed to be able to continue this series on running on empty uh, and uh, how to stop living burnout and start living life fully. Uh, we had the great privilege last week of having Tyler kick us off. Uh, great time. Uh, really appreciated it. And uh, I thought it was uh, really helpful to lay the foundation for the series that we're in over the next four weeks or so. And so I just wanna recap a couple of the things that he said. I thought it would be helpful. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, I wanna encourage you to go online, northernschurch.com, and you can check it out. Uh, he did, as I said, a really great job of laying the foundation of where we're gonna be for the next couple weeks. So one of the things he talked about is about hurry sickness. And he gave us the definition of hurry sickness, which is a behavior pattern uh, characterized by an urgent and persistent need to feel busy or productive, and often an anxious, expressive preoccupation with work at the expense of relaxation and socializing. And what we did is we spent a little bit of time looking at symptoms of this, and they'll go up under a minute. I'm not gonna go through every single one of this, but we did a poll in service, and I'm pretty sure we found out pretty quickly that we all suffer from hurry sickness. If you were here last week and that's what you figured out, you can just raise your hand. The rest of you are not telling the truth, and we have another series for that later. But um, we found that we have hurry sickness, any one of these or many of those. Uh, a lot of us picked over seven because we realized that this was definitely um, something that was happening. The other thing that Tyler spoke about that really jumped out to me was he was talking about the difference, or he was talking about rabbis and yokes and the importance of there's rabbis in the Jewish culture that we could follow, and with every rabbi was a yoke that would be placed on you. Um, and so the question had, had to be asked, well, which yoke? Do you want a yoke that's heavy or do you want one that's light? Do you want one that's burdensome or full of peace, harsh or gentle, uh, rest or unrest, troubling or fulfilling? And so he spent some time talking about the rabbis of our day. Um, it led me to realize that as John 10.10 10 says, a thief comes only with one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy and then Jesus says this, but I've come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And I was hit with the truth that sometimes the rabbis will have a very similar message. Uh, you can both get life to the full. This is what you need. This will supply you. This will make you happy. This will do this or that. But we realized, as Tyler said last week, and as we're gonna look at, there's only one rabbi who can actually bring us to the place of fulfillment and to give us life overflowing, and that's Jesus, of course. The last thing that uh, Tyler put before us was that the invitation from Jesus coming out of Matthew 11, and it, it's kind of our flagship verse, if you will, for this. It says, are you tired? This I'm reading out of the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And what a great invitation that we get from Jesus. And so I wanna start by talking, as with all of this as a backdrop, I wanna look at what for this week of, of what we can walk away with and how do we get that life to the full. And I wanna start by talking about a blind rabbi, if I will. 
and I'm just gonna name it the rat race, right? It's that perspective of faster, bigger, and more is always good. A definition of rat race is a way of life in which people are caught up in a fiercely competitive struggle for wealth or power. An exhausting, usually competitive routine. And we live in a culture and our society that pushes more work, work harder, work longer, work faster. And if you do, that's where you're gonna receive your happiness. That's where you're gonna receive your fulfillment. But it's, it's gotta be harder, it's gotta be faster, it's gotta take more of your time. And I don't know about you guys, but I've learned over my lifetime that those things that we think we have to run faster or harder, there's usually some things that come along with that that can be troubling. It reminded me of when I was uh, a youth and I was growing up in Southern California and we used to go to this place that was kind of like a wildwood area and it had lakes and streams and it was a big area where we could go hiking and do things. And me being a young kid and you know, you always, when we were racing somewhere, you wanted to be first. When you were running someplace, you wanted to get there before other people, even at the expense of tripping a friend or two because as a kid you knew you could just bounce right back up and it wouldn't be that big of an issue. But it was always about running and about getting there and about beating your buddy and hey, I'll meet you here and it was a race to go there. Everything was a race when I was growing up. And I remember one time we got to um, an area of the, the Wildwood area that had a, a waterfall and it had a lake at the bottom and we used to go there to swim. It was one of the farthest places to go to so you had to do a lot of hiking to get there and it was tiring and, and uh, we would ditch our bikes or our skateboards and, and in the bushes and, and move on and, and follow the creek down. And it was one of these moments where when we were going, I kind of looked up and I noticed that I was in front of my friends far enough to where I think I could beat them into the pool down below. And so, you know, I, don't, I can't be the only one that does this. You realize that, hey, look, there's where I have to go. I'm ahead of them. I'm pretty sure I could beat them in this. Right, so last one to the water is the, and whatever you would say, a rotten egg or whatever. So I, way ahead of the guy, said, hey, last one into the water is a rotten egg, and I took off running, and I realized they were calling my name and stuff, and I thought they were just going, hey, Tom, you know, chill, you know, or hey, that's not fair, you're way ahead of us, and all of those things. And so I was coming to the cliff that we normally jump off of. I was able to go across rocks that I never really was able to go across, but it was a shortcut, so I could make sure that I could win this race. And as I got closer to the edge, I remember stepping and just leaping off. And as I looked down at the water, I noticed the water looked very different than normal. See, normally it was so full that you couldn't see any rocks below. And I noticed that there was the images of rocks below the water that I had never noticed before. But in the moment of when you're in the air, you can't push pause. <laughs> right? You can't just go, oops, and back up. I was airborne, headed into the water that I realized was extremely shallow. And when I hit the water and hit the bottom of this pool area, I have never had my body jolted so hard before. And when I stood up, the water was about this deep. So I mean, it was a violent boom. And so it shocked me for a second. I didn't break any bones. I didn't, and I, I remember thinking that was crazy. And then I remembered my friends running. So as I turned around to yell, as I watched all of them do the exact same thing I was doing, into the water, nobody got injured or hurt. But you know, I was thinking the glory of coming in first, the glory of, of racing and, and hitting and all of that changed in a moment and all of a sudden being fast and first wasn't the wisest thing. 
Apparently neither was the second one or the third one. I'm sure if we had a fourth friend with us, he would have learned and not jumped, but that we didn't have that. So when I'm thinking about this rat race and this go faster, there's so many, how many of you guys could relate with the video that we showed? Right, the bumper, it shows all of the things that we come across and sometimes we can have days like that or we can have weeks like that or we can have seasons like that where it just feels like, oh my gosh, everything is coming to an end. Everything's a little shallower than it should be. Everything's a little different than it should be. But when we're caught into that, where where society is pushing it so much, I was reminded, scripture warns us in 1 Corinthians 10 that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. See, we have the freedom to choose whatever rabbi we want. We have the freedom to run the race however we want, to spend everything, to run everything without consideration. And we also have the ability to grab on to the rabbi who is Jesus. That is beneficial all the way across. Because see, when you look at the rat race, when we look at this rabbi, this blind rabbi, as I call it, Every, as Tyler shared last week, and as we know, every rabbi has a yoke, and a yoke is what's put on you to direct you and to guide you, and every rabbi has a yoke. And so this rat race, what, what kind of yokes does it give us? Right, it give us the, gives us the yokes of being burned out. And I kind of liken this a little bit to a car, right? Running out of gas or, or burned out. There's out of control. Is there any skateboarders, people that like skateboarding here? Besides my daughter, anybody else? Back, man, I was the only one. Gosh, I couldn't help but think of this one. I was thinking of what happens when you get out of control and go too fast. I remember, again, growing up in Southern Cal, I was riding a skateboard down a hill. And uh, you know where this is gonna go, right? And it's a good size hill. And I would always, <laughs> yeah, take us with you. I'm about to. <laughs> and I would always get to a point where you, you get a little freaked out because if I stay on this thing, there's no turning back. And I would always jump off and you let your skateboard go down then you walk down and you get it afterwards. And this one time I decided I'm gonna ride this thing all the way down the hill, no matter what. So I hit that point, I passed the point of no return. There it was and I was flying and I thought this is so thrilling. And then you started to get the speed wobbles. I realized that the skateboard I was on was not meant to go that fast. And the only choice I had was to either meet the asphalt again like so many times and my skin would always lose or aim towards the curb and hope that I could roll into the grass. So as I started to aim towards the curb, speed wobbles don't allow you to turn as well as you would think. And of course, I ate it, you know, as, as the kid that I was and bailed. I allowed myself to get to a place where it was too fast, out of control. And sometimes in life, when we grab onto that, oh, I just go a little farther. If I go a little faster, we push the limits until finally there's a breakdown. We run out of gas, we get burned out, we hit the speed wobbles, or we have an accident, or the brakes have issues, or we get overcome with the stresses. Well, I'm so glad, and I hope you are too, that the Bible tells us the remedy for this, that it tells us how we can live in such a way that we don't have to be pummeled by those kind of things. But before I get there, one of the books that we've been highlighting by John Mark Comer is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I highly recommend it. And he gives 20 ideas for slowing down, but I'm only gonna give you 10. I'm only gonna go over 10 of them. The first one is drive the speed limit. 
When I first read this, I was like, what is that? No, I'm just kidding. So he goes through in the book and he goes, hey, if you want to learn to slow down, because the, what I'm talking about today is, is that, is to slow down. When we go fast, when we try to push past things, we, we miss so many opportunities, things fly by us, we, we lose opportunities, but when we take a moment to slow down, we get to experience all that Jesus intended to, for us to experience on a daily basis and in every area of our life. And so John Mark Homer says, first thing, try driving the speed limit, which in itself encompasses a whole bunch of other things that I won't get into. The second thing he said, this is when I thought he was crazy, get into the slow lane. And then he even went so far as to say, not only get in the slow line, but get behind that big Cadillac that's going slower than the speed limit and drive for a little while. Yeah, I'm like, this is way too far, buddy. Number three, he says, come to a full stop at a stop sign. They don't point at people or poke people next to you. That's not allowed. Here we go. Number four, don't text and drive. Mm. Number five, show up 10 minutes early for an appointment. I was like, how about show up on time? Not on time. Number six, get into the longest checkout line at the grocery store. It, doesn't some of these be like, doesn't it feel like, why would you do that? What are you, crazy? Number seven, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Yep. Number eight, parent your own phone. My kids made me write, write that. I said I could tell, them sto tell stories about them if I... No, I'm just kidding. Number nine, keep your phone off till after your morning quiet time. Number 10, single task. Single task. He's got a bunch more of these, but I don't know about for you. When, when I first read this, I thought, wow, some of these are like... What are you, crazy? Yeah, I can drive the speed limit. Yeah, I could do this, but get in the slow lane and then find the slowest person and actually drive behind them? Man, I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna, and I went through all of these concepts and thoughts about it. And the thing that, that realized me more, or that jumped out to me more than anything is if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna actually learn to slow down in life, I have to begin to leave room. I gotta start leaving room in my schedule. I gotta leave room for opportunities that may present themselves throughout the day. John Mark Comer also said, if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle Jesus did. One of the most fascinating things as we're talking about slow, this is what we're talking about today, is, is take a deep breath and slow down. Because our society says faster, stronger, harder. And let me, let me say this. I'm not saying that what we should be as a society is lazy or that we should not work hard or that we shouldn't be successful. Please don't hear me say that. But I want to look at probably one of the busiest people I know, which is Jesus. And somehow the way he lived his life, he was always available. He always had time. You know, people didn't approach him and he went, oh, geez, looking at his watch, hey, I gotta go, you know, I, my buddy Lazarus, he's really sick, gotta get there. Jesus always had time, always going somewhere, always had things to do, 
but he lived this slow life that we're talking about. So I only have three points today, three simple points, and they kind of build. And if, if anything, I'm hoping that you'll grab on to the last one more than anything, because I think it sets us up for what the Lord wants to do through this. Because we have this amazing rabbi who loves us and will give us everything we need to guide us and to direct us. And I know that what I'm talking about, about slowing down, it's not the easiest thing to embrace. It really isn't. There's so many things that vie for our attention. There's so many pulls. There's, there's so many things that get in front. But somehow, the king of heaven came and lived a life as a model for us to go, here you go. And that's what I wanna look at today. So when we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, the first thing that happens is we become aware. So you wanna take notes, you could write that down. We become aware. And to be aware is having knowledge or perception of a situation or a fact. It's when we're running too much, we don't take time to look around and we miss opportunities. But when we're aware, we notice the things that are going on around us. I want us to look at a very popular story out of Luke 19. It's a story of Zacchaeus. But I want us to see a couple things that happen with Jesus because he's aware. So let's pick it up in verse one. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the sinner. I think there's an amazing thing that happens. This whole passage in chapter 19 starts with this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Everyone say passing through. He was passing through. It means he wasn't going there for anything specific. He went through Jericho because that was the way for him to get to where he was going. It's not necessarily a scheduled stop. It wasn't where he was gonna spend the next 10 days. He was passing through Jericho. And then it tells us the story of Zacchaeus, somebody who really wants to see him, climbs a tree, goes out of his way to do something crazy, and Jesus, in the midst of that, becomes aware. Sees Zacchaeus in a tree. I believe being led by the Holy Spirit says, it's time for us to have lunch at your place. Everyone else freaks out about it. There's so many other people in these stories that we're gonna look at. What it, he couldn't see because of the what? The crowd. There's all these people around. Any one of them Jesus could have picked to go and to have lunch with. Any, hey, everyone, let's all go do this. Let's all go on the hillside and we'll make a whole bunch of bread from baskets again. But Jesus is aware sees Zacchaeus and then uses that and goes, hey, let's have lunch at your house. And it leads to the guy's transformation of his life, even in that very moment, just from Jesus pointing him out. Jesus was aware. Just for fun, I looked up uh, the antonyms of aware and they were a little brutal. It was ignorant, 
unconscious, uh, uninformed. And I thought, sometimes when we get so busy with things, there's a Zacchaeus in a tree, but man, I've got to pass through. There's a place I have to go. And please don't hear me saying this, me to you. This is, this is us. We're in a time where stuff is busy. Time is precious and there's so much to do. And I feel like it's time where the Lord is going, hey, can, can we slow down a little? Can we just take a deep breath for a moment. There's some things I wanna do. You know what I found? In the times of my life when I've been busy, I gotta do this, I need to go here, and the Holy Spirit has, has stopped me. And I engage with somebody or a situation or a circumstance. It always seems that the Lord works out whatever was to get done, gets done. How many find that to be true? Recently we were driving down to Florida and we were in a caravan of people and for whatever reason this has happened to my wife and I before, we were actually following my son and his wife and my son were in one car and we were in another and we were driving and so we were trying to figure out how far behind we were. So I was like, what exit did you pass? I passed this one, would you? So we were looking as we were making our way down to Florida. And so we were getting to a place where I, I was looking, I'm like, I bet you I can see him up there. And a car that looked like theirs got out of control and started flipping about five or six cars in front of us on the freeway. Just flipping stuff flying everywhere. And if you guys have ever been in that situation, it's like slow motion. It's the weirdest thing. I start slowing down. I don't even, this, I didn't go, maybe I should slow down. Maybe I should turn on my flashers. Maybe I should wave. Things just start happening. You start doing things without even thinking about it. So I, I'm moving like this across the freeway. People are coming up fast because they didn't see what I saw. And so I'm moving like this. Everyone starts slowing down. I pull off. I'm not even all the way off the freeway. I put the car in park and I turn and I run across the freeway towards the accident. There's a lot of commotion. There's other people that are doing that. The first thing I do is I figure out it's not my family. But I didn't just go, oh, and then leave. <laughs> then a couple people, we started to get, figure out what was going on, helped the people, helped them out of the car, gave them some water, sat there with them. The next thing, this all happened in a matter of minutes, just minutes. Someone brought some water and then someone said, I'm a police officer. Another person said, I'm an off-duty paramedic. And they're getting, they're helping. And I kind of get bumped to like what I would call just a watching area. And I'm like, my, my job's done here. So I'm like, are you good? Do you need anything? Nope. And I go, great. So I go back in the car, I get, and we get back on the road. There are times when things happen where we, if we can be aware to what's going on, the Holy Spirit will grab our attention. Sometimes I like to look at it where Jesus is walking and looks up and he goes, that's weird. There's some guys sitting up in the tree. And the Holy Spirit goes, he really wants, you need to go talk to him. And so he goes, hey, can I go to your lunch? Go to your house for lunch. And then they go. When we slow down, we just take a moment, man, we get to be aware. And when we become aware, we're most like our rabbi Jesus. He's extremely aware. He goes in front of us, right? Goes before us, puts things together. We need to be aware. Number two, when you adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, you tune in. 
And this goes a little bit more than being aware. Uh, in Mark chapter five is a story, another one that you're, I'm sure you're all familiar with. Um, but it goes like this. A large crowd followed and pressed in around Jesus. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I, could, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He, re he turned around the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciple answers, and yet you asked who touched me? We're gonna stop there. The woman turns, they have the conversation. She's totally healed. I find it amazing that in an area where Jesus is walking in, he's going somewhere and there's all these people pressed in around him. There's people touching him constantly. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone touches him. And it says that Jesus realized power went out. And he stops and he goes, whoa, who touched me? His disciples are like, everyone's touching you guys. Everyone's grabbing your clothes. Look, look around. You can't even circle. No, something supernatural just took place. Jesus was in tune. It wasn't just about being aware Jesus was aware at other times. He said, hey, let's go out across the lake. As they drove across the lake, the people ran around and he ministered to them over there. But he wasn't just aware, he was also in tune. There's this amazing thing happened, at least in my life, where I become aware, where all of a sudden I go, I don't know if you guys have ever been this, I'm someplace and I go, wait a minute, I don't know that I'm actually here because they have really good coffee. Or I don't know if I'm here because they have really good cinnamon rolls. I don't know if I'm here because what I think I'm doing is actually what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just that moment where I feel like the Holy Spirit goes, hey, 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 and it catches my attention and I become aware. And the next opportunity I have before me is to tune in and then to ask the Lord, Lord, what is, what is it that you're doing? I've shared this story before, but I remember one time I was meeting with a guy and we were going through some scripture because he was getting ready to teach uh, at a gathering, and he said, hey, can, can I run this by you? And I said, yeah, and it was one of those moments where he was talking to me, and in talking to me, I, I, I was listening <laughs> halfway, but over his shoulder, I saw a woman weeping, and I, I kept trying to move so he would block her, you know what I mean, like sitting here and I move, because so, I felt so bad that I wasn't paying attention to what he was saying, and I couldn't shake what was happening his voice pretty much became wah, 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 wah. This is the Holy Spirit going, hey, do you, do you see what I see? And I said, could you excuse me for one second? Just give me a second. And I walked over there and I said, I didn't know what to do. So I said, is everything okay? Long story short, she shared what was going on. I had the opportunity to pray for her. Our church was right across the street. I invited her to church. She came the next morning. Her and her mom, sorry, her and her daughter both got saved. I never saw her again. We, we don't know when you become aware and then you tune in, you, you go, wait, something's going on here. Wait, why is that guy in the tree? Wait, why, why am I at this place? Why is this pump so slow? You ever go to a gas station and you, most of the time it's like, you're trying to guess and you're like 59, oh, and it's like 10 cents over. And then you hit those pumps where you squeeze in it and you can go one, 
to, have you ever been to those pumps? I'm usually like, oh, I'm finding another pump, you know? Maybe it's going so slow because the Lord's going, Tom, this is gonna take you a little while. I need to catch your attention in this. There's somebody right on the other side of this pump I need you to talk to. Sometimes there's things that are going on around us, and if we just took a moment to slow down, if we just took a breath and go, wait a minute, what's going on? If we just began to leave room in our schedules or in our days that can be so busy, just so those opportunities, what would be the worst thing if you were getting gas and you went, oh, this is what Tom was talking about. Lord, is there anything you need me to do here? And there's nothing. You finish your gas, you get your receipt, and you move on. No harm, no foul. But what if because you become aware and because you start tuning in, the Lord starts going, I'm get, you know what? Go to this gas station instead. Go, go over here and say, go into this line at the grocery store. But Lord, that's like 10 times as long. Yeah, the conversation I need you to have with the lady in front of you, it's gonna take that long. Jesus was extremely aware and he always tuned in. He noticed the supernatural. Number three, if you remember anything about today, please remember this because I think it leads to this. Not only was aware, not only did he tune in, but when you adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, you live available. You live available. Throughout Jesus's life, wherever he went, whatever he did, he was continually positioned in a place where he was available. Though he was passing through, though in scripture he was trying to get to Lazarus, a friend of his who was dying, he still stopped and helped people. Though people came to him and said, hey, could you come to my house and I'll pray for this person? Though all of these situations, in a, in a, there's only one Jesus at the time, right? There's just one and everyone's going, would you do this? Would you do that? And somehow he was available. As he passed through, he was constantly looking at what is it that I see my father doing because that's what I need to be about. Jesus still had to walk places. He still had to do stuff. There was natural stuff that Jesus had to do just like you and I do. We have to work. We have families. We have things. We have engagements. We have in it. But what if we just took a moment and slowed down? What if we just took a moment to be available? What could happen in the world around us? What could happen in the people around us, in the lives of people? You know, recently, actually it was about two or three weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a man. Um, his name's Mike Eggy, and 35 years ago, he led me to Christ. And I hadn't had a chance, I mean, we had talked here and there, but there had been a long span just because we moved and he moved and we just didn't keep in contact. And so I came across his information and I called him and we got to catch up and this is what's going on. Man, I gotta tell you, I'm so glad that 35 years ago, he chose to live a life available to what the Lord wanted to do because my life was forever changed. And as a result, my wife's life and my kid's life and the people I come in contact with because he chose to live available. You know, I had heard this cool testimony this week uh, from a friend of mine, Troy. He didn't know I was gonna say this. But he had the opportunity this past week to live available and shared a message that God had on his heart at his gathering on Thursday. It was Thursday night, right? At his Thursday night gathering. 
and there was over 80 people there, and it was a cool gathering. But in the midst of that, because he was willing to live available, 18 people stood and responded. He's faithful to do what he's called to do on Thursday nights. He's faithful to to go through what God's put on his heart and the message and the program and all of those things, but something stirred within him and he goes, I gotta be true to who I am and I gotta speak what the Lord's putting on my heart and 18 lives were changed. Who's the Zacchaeus that you could run into tomorrow? What's the odd situation that you could see somebody up in a tree or getting gas, maybe crying, you know, sometimes I'm like, Lord, you gotta make it, can you make him wear a yellow shirt that says it's me, you know? <laughs> sometimes I'm like, Lord, I need a little help with this. But I'm telling you, if we go from this place and go, okay, Lord, I know things are crazy and busy in my life, but I'm gonna take a moment, I'm just gonna slow down and make ourselves available to him, it's the coolest thing in the world. He, it's almost like he extends our time. He'll give you time with your family. He'll give you time with your kids. He'll give you time to do all of the things that you needed to do. He always does. We gotta be aware. We gotta tune in. And we gotta live available for him and watch what he does in our midst. And so as a response to today, I wanted to do this. I I felt like the best way for us to practice this is to take a moment. So I've asked the worship team if they wanna go ahead and come up here. They're gonna lead us in a song. And it's a a song to minister to us. And so if you just wanna take the next three to five minutes, however long it takes, just close your eyes and slow down. Just rest for a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Wonderful. If you have a question for the Lord, what can I do to slow down? Wonderful, ask him. And I'm believing he's gonna respond to you. But more than anything, I found that how I best slow down through being aware and tuning in is also taking moments throughout the day, honestly, where I just close my eyes and I go, okay, Lord, this is your day, what do you want me to do? Usually at the busiest moments when I feel like, oh my gosh, this is crazy right now. You know what? Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he knows better. So I want us to take this moment, dedicate it to the Lord as an act of slowing down and saying, Lord, speak to me. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray and ask him to minister to us as they come. Lord, thank you so much for the moments in life when you just grab our attention and you go, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's go here. Let's move in this way. And so in this moment today, right now, God, we just wanna yield ourselves to you Say, Lord, we choose to slow down from whatever the week was like and whatever we're about to go into and just to receive from you. Lord, whatever you have to give, we just wanna receive it. Lord, help clear our minds of the busy stuff, of the things, of what has to take place after this this meeting and let us take a moment just to soak in your presence and to receive from you. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do this week as we slow down. But right now, we just wanna give you this time. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Jesus. That's the truth of who you are. Everything we need, everything we could possibly want is wrapped up in you. So as we just stay in this moment for just, just a little bit longer, I just want to put that, the invitation out there. If you've never accepted the Lord, if you've never accepted Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, there's an invitation for you this morning whether you're at home watching, whether you're here in the building, to just pause for a moment. The truth and the beauty of of the words of this song are saying, this is a free gift I give you. My life I've laid down. There's nothing that you need to add to it. Just accept this. Come, be with me. It's an invitation for you this morning. And if that's you and, and, and maybe you're, you don't know exactly what to say, exactly what to do. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. If you want to pray this prayer or, or something like this, we just want to give you the opportunity this morning. And if you, if you pray, we'd love to meet you out in the lobby right after the service. But just with every head bowed, just pray with me. Jesus, I need you. I've never done this before, but I know that I need what you're offering. I need a Savior. So, Lord, right now in this moment, I repent. I change my mind, and I come to you. Say, will you be my Lord? Will you save me from myself? Will you, with the truth of this song, will you be all that I need from now until eternity? I accept what you're offering. I give you my life for your life. Wash me, make me clean, and make me whole. I accept you, Jesus. Thank you. So if you prayed that prayer or something similar to that, we again, we would love the opportunity to meet you uh, right when we wrap up out in the lobby. We'll have a gift for you, a Bible and some, some teachings and just some stuff to, to kind of help you get started on a walk with the Lord.